hello there. I'm Ellen. I'm the pussycat half of Pea Green Boat. In this podcast, I'll be talking about the real you, the person you've always dreamed of being. And I'll also be talking about all the things that get in the way of you being that person, that stop you being that person, and what we might be able to do to change that. I'll often be chatting with my fellow coach and longtime friend Fiona Dove. Fiona is the other half of Pea Green Boat. And with lots of other fascinating people from all over the world that we've both been fortunate to meet. So join me here for our weekly chats, full of laughter and ideas, ideas that can open doors for you. So grab yourself a coffee, hop on board Pea Green Boat, and we'll have a gentle sail down the river. Exploring role models and archetypes. Funny old things they are, and there are loads of them. Usually we hear about role models and archetypes because we hear about somebody else's explanation of them. So we get told the hero is always a super fantastic hard man type of thing who um, will fight all our battles for us and wants to get in there and get stuck in and maybe is a bit of a fool and all this kind of stuff. Now, it's true. All of those things can be a part of a hero. But are they so for you? Most people at least watch TV, probably watch films and maybe soaps as well. I do. And read books. Again, I do. And all books have heroes. And hero isn't necessarily a masculine thing. Being heroic isn't necessarily a masculine thing. There are many historical examples of female heroes. So we all have a a hero in our book. Sometimes two. I quite often have two because I find the interaction between two equal characters really interesting. Well, that's really interesting too because all of that has to do with our own life story how we play our own life story, what role we are in at any point in our life story. And roles and archetypes are incredibly similar. An archetype hasn't been around for very long. Well, it has in a way, if you go right back to the theme idea, which is what the Greek word that it comes from means. But 1500 and spelling mistake, I think, was the time when the word archetype first entered our language. And it's been used, and largely in those old days, it was used in this role model, story model type thing, because stories are always built around those things. So, what is an archetype? Well, to use the sort of dictionary definition, it's a psychological construct. Now, that sounds terribly impressive. Yeah, great stuff. Wonderful. But, what the hell does it mean? Well, psychological, that's a really deep one. And so, it's construct. But let's hit the second one first. Go backwards. You know me. I often like going backwards first. A construct is an artificial idea of something that helps us both understand a general principle. It's a thing, a model that helps us understand that. And one, certainly in modern parlance, it's a construct is something that helps us understand an already formed generalization 
that has become acceptable. Well, there's so much in that that makes me fall over. It just does not work because we make assumptions about what other people understand by our words. And quite often, we get it completely round the backs of our necks. We really do. And so my understanding of the word tree may not even be yours. Now, that sounds like a really simple one. But a tree is an incredible creature to me that puts its roots down into the ground and reaches its branches up into the sky and its trunk holds them up. It's also something that connects between the earth and the sky. And it does it incredibly through this thing called photosynthesis. The tree takes in carbon dioxide and mixes it up with... The tree takes in carbon dioxide and it mixes it with sunlight and with water and it produces food for the plant. It feeds the plant. And then the plant has to excrete, just as we do, and the plant excretes oxygen for us. And a tree does it on a huge scale, because trees are huge. Even medium-sized jobs that you have in your garden, they're really big, and they do an awful lot. So a tree is a being to me. You think about how that might compare with how you think of a tree. It probably isn't the same. We all have different ideas and different interpretations for words. So making a construct means we're not really getting to the roots of the words at all, but we may be helping ourselves to breach the surface. Actually, breaching the surface is a whole idea which is very important too. Water has a surface. When you look at your pond, you see little creatures, sort of fly-like, beetly things, that are walking around on the water. If you tried that, well, you might have some some success with it in the Dead Sea, but not a lot. But if you tried that in your pond, you'd just go splud straight in. You break the surface. These little creatures don't break the surface. There's what's called a surface tension, like a skin on the top of the water. So we need to get through the surface to explore what's below. Unfortunately, that's not too difficult for us, particularly if we're swimming, say, in the sea and going to look for lovely seahorses or beautiful corals or something. So, psyche is a Greek word which is about spirit and it's about breath. Logical is a thing which is about thinking. So, psychology is thinking about spirit. That's one rough interpretation of the Greek words. I find it not a bad one. I quite like it. But then I sort of made it myself. There's another point. Come back to it in a minute. Archetypes are important about making ourselves. And it's important that we find our own translation for them. In fact, that's where we're going. Archetypes and roles are very useful things, as I said before. But the way to really work with them is not to get somebody else's book with somebody else's ideas about what having a cat familiar means, about what being a hero means. The real way to work with them is to say, how is that for me? What is my idea 
of what a hero is. What is my idea of what a cat stands for? We work with those and it really helps. It really, really does. Working with your own idea, developing your own idea, because then it fits you. It's like having tailor-made clothes. If only we could afford it, or tailor-made shoes. That's fantastic. I did have that once. It was so gorgeous. So we tailor-make our own concept of what being a hero is, what being a nurturer is, what being a wild man crazy person is. Wild man is one of our ideas in the British way, particularly. What being a trickster is. What is that for us? What is being a teacher for you? Now, in that sense, we'll all have these ideas within ourselves, these role models. But what they actually mean and what they do in me is going to be quite a bit different probably from what they do in you. Too often nowadays, because I'm a well-published author, I'm a bestseller, because I'm a coach, because I'm a psychotherapist and all this kind of stuff, my model is going to be the right one. Oh, no, it's not. Hopefully, I've been working with mine long enough that my models are the right ones for me. But I wouldn't dream of stuffing them down your throat. I wouldn't dream of saying, this is what you are. But I would love to help you find out what your idea of them is. There's a couple of reasons for that, too. Number one is... If you evolve and grow and make your own idea of what an archetype is, what a hero is, what a nurturer is, what being a mother is, what being a wise person is, then that model will fit you. And for another, if I'm helping you work it out, you're going to have ideas that I haven't had. And so you're actually going to expand my ideas too. So I'm going to really enjoy helping you. One, because I actually like helping you. I love it. That's why I do the job. And two, because your ideas are going to make my ideas bigger and deeper and richer in color. So I feel that archetypes are something that we should work with and that we do work with, but not as far too many people seem to do nowadays. To work with them by trying to fit ourselves into somebody else's suit of clothes. Like Cinderella's sister cutting off bits of their heels and toes in order to try and put their foot in the glass slipper and win the prince. No, 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 no. We don't want to do that. And there's another aspect of archetypes that's really important and roles and finding your own. They grow. You grow. You grow and You don't fit your clothes anymore. Unfortunately, for many of us, we get a bit too much fat on us, or at least more fat than we'd like, and so we don't fit into those lovely skinny jeans anymore, and we get quite cross about it. Well, the same sort of thing happens with roles and archetypes, but hopefully we don't get cross about it. And anyway, it doesn't spoil our looks, (laughs) whereas we feel Perhaps, I know I do, that I can't get in my skinny jeans, so there's far too much of me and I'm a great big lumpy old person. I'm not really, but there's a part of me that says I am. Part of me was the one that danced years and years ago. 
used to dance with Arlene Phillips and as a demonstrator in her class for her teachers and for herself and that. That person was thin as a rake, gorgeously slim, fit as a fiddle, and very lithe and muscular and danced beautifully. I want to be that person again. But I'm not 25, I'm not 30, I'm not even 35 anymore. I'm more than twice that. And I can't do it. So I have to get new clothes that do fit me. And that's even better with archetypes, because you can get them refitted. You can have them pulled in or taken out. You can have them changed a bit in shape. You can add new pieces to them so that they work and fit you better. Dye them a different color. Maybe add new patches of color in that work. You can remake the archetype, your idea of the archetype, your construct of the archetype. You can remake that to fit yourself as you grow out of the old one. When I was a little wee kiddie, my brothers used to pretend they were medieval knights on horseback and I was the queen of the castle and we would all play this game. My brothers were quite a bit older than me, so they were very good at looking after kids and playing silly games like that. Well, it was a great fun game. I think they actually enjoyed it. I can remember them galloping around and fighting each other with sticks and having a wonderful time doing it while I thought it was marvellous. I don't like those anymore. I'm not particularly into that. I'm not into medieval knights and all that kind of fighting and that sort of thing. It doesn't turn me on anymore. So I've let go of that idea of hero. That isn't one of my hero ideas now. I've got a different suit of clothes for the hero archetype. One for me at the moment is a hero is someone who is pegging along slowly and helping as many people as she can to actually rewild themselves, like rewild their garden and feel happy out in the wild. And actually that to me is quite a hero job now because you don't always get a lot of thanks for it and you can get a lot of stick. And you have to keep plugging along. It isn't something where you whiz in like a comet or a star and whiz around shining and dazzling everybody and winning just like that. It's a long, slow job. So my current idea of hero does contain a lot of this persistence, this ability to persist, this ability to continue. So what I do with people and we do this in packages, developing your own archetypes. Now, I think this is a much better idea. It doesn't mean that you don't read other people's books and get ideas from them, but don't feel that that is what you have. I mean, I was reading, um, I love the concept, concept of alchemist. I love the archetype of alchemist, and I have been that all my life. That's grown and my concept has changed and grown over the years. But that is one that I feel is a strong part of me. Someone who makes things happen. Someone who can actually help other people turn lead into gold. But when I was reading this other person's concept of alchemist in her book, lots of it didn't ring with me. So I just sort of said, well, okay, I'm not getting a feel for that. That's not ringing right with me at the moment. So I'm not having that bit. 
But I do like this bit. This bit rings for me. The problem was when I was working with these people on that is that I was supposed to take on it all. And that's a sort of thing that is not me and things that I don't think anybody should ever have to take on somebody else's idea. You're taking on somebody else's script. Use it, listen to it, read the books, you know, watch Game of Thrones and get lots of ideas from the heroes there, that side of thing, or watch James Bond and get loads of ideas from the heroes there. Oh yeah, there's lots of good stuff in those, apart from being an absolute hoot. You roll about on the ground, at least with the old ones you do, because they're just so funny. But that's part of it too. You learn a lot by laughing. You learn a lot by fun and jokes. So archetypes are these psychological constructs. They're these thinking about spirit, sort of make-believe, quick-fix definitions that can change and grow all the time. Another word for psyche, for Greek, or another translation of it, is breath. You never breathe the same breath. You breathe in and you breathe out, and that breath is gone. The next one is different. And I think, remembering the Greeks, I'm still very fond of the Greeks. I was always very fond of the Greeks. Remembering them, I think that's the idea that they would like. This continuous change, this continuous breathing in and breathing out. And if you take hold of archetypes like that and breathe them in, breathe them out, allow them to grow, allow them to change, then it works. So, there we are with archetypes. Well, thank you for joining our weekly sail on Pea Green Boat. Time to stop now. If you'd like to know more, you can meet me at www.ellensentier.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So let's connect. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and Thank you so much to Wahoo Media who produced this podcast for me. See you next week. Bye for now.